Okay, welcome to the Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast. We're so glad that you're here and you take your time to listen. We are grateful for your efforts with your family. And we're excited about this new season of kind of exposing a little bit more about what we do here at Life Changing Services to train and heal the whole family. And I have one of our awesome clinicians with me, Michael Blair. Um, hello, Michael. Hello, Karen. I'm so glad you're here. I just glad to be here. Yeah, so grateful for what you do and excited to talk about um, just why it means so much to you and some of the things that you have grown and learned. Because last time we interviewed, it was probably a couple of years ago, right? And um, anyway, since then, I just know you're a very passionate learner. Yep. And you love doing anything you can to help the people that you serve. But I've also still remember, even after this time, the last time we interviewed, you sharing how um, you were always looking for things to also help you. Oh, yeah. That that was a real thing. And I just love that because sometimes I think people that don't hang out with clinicians or people who don't really, they're, they don't know any therapists personally. They just think, well, they have it all together. That's why they're a therapist. And so I love that you said, we all are growing. We're all learning. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. What? Yeah, I def definitely am always working on Michael Blair, too. Because even though I can see and help other people with their issues, I need to be sure I take good care of Michael Blair and his issues. Because I have a history just like everybody's got a story. Everybody has one. Unless they are asleep and not awake to it. <laughs> we all have stories. And so, since in this life, from what I understand, we're not going to be perfect, pretty much. And, but our goal is still to get as perfect as we can. That's actually an exciting thing to me. If I'm so grateful to be alive now, you know, I'm, I'm 71 today. Today. What? And, okay. Yeah. I'm so surprised you're 71. Yeah, I know. Most people tell me you're 50, 55, maybe something like that. And I go, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'm younger than that, even at heart. I don't know. Yeah, you're just doing amazing. Way to go. My wife's been pumping those good vitamins in me for years now. <laughs> I am so well invested in, in the vitamin companies. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm just glad that I've been alive for the last five years. Oh, my gosh. There's so much I've learned. I've learned I think I learned more in the last five years than I did the first 66. Wow. Because, wow. you know, my, my personal growth is, is um, from, my, from my point of view and my wife's and from uh, other perspectives, it's just making it so much more fun to do therapeutic work. You know, if you, the more you embody what you're teaching, the more you live the gospel, where you live it, love it, and, and, and do it, 
the more fun it really is and the more inspiring it really is and the more you dialed into the spirit and the more you gosh you do some things right for a change you know <laughs> stuff like that you stop those old charges that have got control of you and that you just can't stop reacting to and they're gone oh thank you mm. oh my gosh so much more fun to to not have to fight to love Oh, that's so good. Tell me some of the things you've learned in the last five years that have been like, because did you just hear everybody what Michael just said? Michael Blair just said, you don't have to fight to love. Like, tell us about that. Well, I'm sure I can, I got an hour and a half of me right there, but we'll start. <laughs> um, when people are most of us many of us are fighting to love or to be loved probably most of us don't have as much love in us as we wish we had and we're afraid we're never going to find it mm. one of the biggest things that i've learned in in the past five years is that that, that our inner minds store the data a subconscious mind stores a most of our our uh, information available to us or our, our inner mind programming uh, all of our you know the data storage of our lifetime and so uh, during the course of our lives almost all of us have some um, self-limiting beliefs that are run by programs that are inside of us that will not be treated by talk therapy they won't be you can talk about it and cope with it and get white knuckled really good, but you can never really quite get it done. I remember a stake president saying to me one time, oh, the thing I hate about therapy is that I just think I've got it figured out and it pumps, pops back up. And here I go again. I thought I had it figured out. Well, that's, that's, that's evidence of the fact that unless you go deep dive into the limbic brain, through methodologies which are now available to me and to us, you're probably going to struggle really hard because you have blockages in there that you don't even recognize that you have or that you may recognize you have that you don't know how to get out of you. So it's like pain associated with memory. When you take the pain out, the memory just drops back and doesn't have any power anymore. And so things when they come up that are pain related, like a protection, oh, women are pretty weird, you know, because my mom was one crazy lady, whatever. Then what happens is when that pain and that belief and that self-limiting thought is gone, oh my gosh, Karen's actually kind of a cool person. I thought she was a witch. <laughs> <laughs> now the truth comes out. <laughs> Well, obviously five years ago is before our time, right? <laughs> so, yes. so I can wow. joke about it. And so it's really exciting. We actually are working, I was just listening to Bessel van der Kolk this week. He's one of my heroes, sort of. He's one of the mentors of, in the profession that, do, that does the, the kind of things that I like to do. I like to recognize that it's, you know, it's about 50% we estimate of the population has locked up issues like that uh, about 90 percent of those who come to see me do 90 percent of those yeah they come to see me and the reason they well 
They don't know they have that going on. They don't even know what I do. And the interesting thing is you kind of have to, do, to go through the process to know what I do. I can't, I can't tell you. Okay, so you can't even describe it because you and I would have to, you know, be on some camera, you doing the process with me or something. Is that what you mean? Pretty much. Yeah, mm -hmm. you kind of have to go through the process. But I can yeah. put it this way. I think most of us are aware that there are adult children of alcoholics, right? Or of any other drug, whatever. And they literally are children when they're in that state of mind. You know, one boy came in with his dad and he was really frustrated you know, his stepdad and said, I, I just am so sorry. I'm always feeling so abandoned by my dad because he's this grown up guy that can never show up on time or ever come to my games or anything. He's just never, he never keeps his responsibilities. And I said, well, yeah. So finally, after we talked about all that, for a while, I said to the, this, I think, 10 or 11-year-old, I said, you know what? I think it's about time that you, we tell the truth. I'm, I'm sorry, but I think we have to tell the truth. Your dad is like a five-year-old with a can of beer in his hand. And he doesn't know he's a five-year-old. He just knows that he's familiar with the beer and it makes him feel the way he likes to feel. And he's never going to go get help for that because he doesn't believe he needs the help, maybe. Something like that. Or look, think about a five-year-old. What five-year-old is going to sign up for therapy? Anyway, so when I told him that, he went, oh, now I get it. I can never expect my five-year-old dad, going on 40, to behave like a mature father would do, like my stepdad does here. It's the last time I saw him. He was done. Wow. And the anxiety, the depression was gone. And he understood. Now, that's, that's a cognitive story that he understood at a very deep level. Yeah. So that's one instance where his trauma was helped by that story. That isn't always something that works, but did yeah. for him. So, but what's really interesting is that we have tools that are, interestingly enough, many of which are built into our program, the, the Sons of Helaman program, that are very helpful when you combine the camaraderie of the young men with the therapist, the parents involved also, and a lot of love is in the mix. It's kind of a key ingredient. Until that's really in the mix and the kids really get that, they're not, going to, they're not going to progress very well. But when they do, that lubricant, that safety draws them to the group, and the questions begin to be answered surprisingly from pretty deep places, and they begin to release some of the um, what's causing them to do addiction behavior. And I guess I should say it now, my belief and the belief of those I'm most enamored with today is that virtually all addiction comes from trauma. Now it may not be trauma that people even consciously are aware of, but for, for some reason at some time in, some, in, in a young man's life, for example, that becomes a habit pattern using masturbation, pornography, etc., that feeds them, meets a need. There's a reason why they do it. 
and it's imitation love, but it still feels like love. And, you know, many, many people are confused that sex is not love. <laughs> it's just not. Um, so there's a lot to be said about that, but I'll leave that alone for a minute. And so a lot of the, a lot of the, um, the focus is, first of all, getting rapport and love flowing through these boys. No shame, no blame. That's true for all my clients, all the clients we work with. If I were, if I were trying to apply what you're saying, because I'm thinking, all right, like there's such a, a belief when you aren't in a place where that love is flowing and you feel the support and there's a lot of truth in that place. If I'm in that place, I just know that like when my son was enrolled in Sons of Human, uh, the initial thought was, you want me to do what? Like, you, want me to, you want me to do what? You want me to go to a group of young men and who have this problem? And so he's thinking, well, I know on the outside, I look pretty normal. And I also know that I have, you know, a good family. And, but I'm sure all of them are going to be greasy and hairy and really big losers because that's what my perception is right and so yeah. but then also there's this he had this internal perception where the adversary had just completely tried so hard to tie his identity to all of his failures so are you saying that once he gets to that place um just the understanding of all that stuff that you've held on to as the truth for so long is not true. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. The, it's called self-limiting beliefs. Er, almost everybody has to deal with some of those, whether you're dissociative, as I described, adult children, whatever, have parts inside of you that are hurting and fighting against your consciously valued choices. And so, um, those self-limiting beliefs, they can be consciously dealt with. What I'm saying is that's part of the story. Like I can say, thank you for sharing brain. I don't do that anymore. My focus is on the savior or my focus is on this music or, or on this leader or, or on love or whatever my, my, my channel is. Maybe it's on motorbikes. I don't care. It's a different photo, different focus. So I find my positive channel and focus on that. And that's what I do. And you, can't, you catch the self-limiting belief that says, well, you know, I sure want to be sexual tonight. And you go, mm, thanks for sharing brain, but I'm not, I don't do that anymore. Um, this is the channel I'm going to. And you start taking charge of that. And I'm going to tell you what, you can take charge of that. You can. Now, it may take practice. And repetition, many times of repetition from the conscious place. And if that doesn't work, by the way, I what I do is I have young men who just fail for weeks and weeks and weeks and can't get this figured out. You know, so usually what I do with those young men, I eventually call their parents and I say, you know, it's really time that we do a boost. We do some booster treatment here. Because there are more things deeper going on than he's able to manage. He can't do it just with the program alone. He needs a boost. Then we do some of that inside limbic brain work. And almost always, they brighten up, 
they're freed enough from what they couldn't get out from the conscious mind because they went to the subconscious treatment modality and they show up in group and they're like normal like they're like oh hi guys and they can connect now and be part of it they can talk they can contribute there's they stay awake <laughs> all that sort of thing <laughs> and so i watch my guys and and in, inside of the group itself, we also do some of the magic we can do consciously that's not, has to, has to be so private. And we have a couple of tools for that. One of them is called the Dynamic Spin Release, which, by the way, is available on my website as a 9.9 steps item. People, some people can figure it out from there. Some people need a time with me to, to go to experience it and know how to do it. That is available on the website blaircounselingandcoaching.com which has just been updated and it's there and um, but that tool is a world-class tool and it can change a mood a state of mind in about 11 minutes completely from that state of mind all the way to reprogramming right on back through when you were a little kid all the way back to the present and there's a complete change, and I'll ask them at the end, I'll say, so now what's, what, do you, what happens to you now when you think about being sexual? Maybe that's it. Or maybe when you think about your mom and how angry you are with her, and they go, oh, I kind of like her. You know that? She's really been there for me, hasn't she? And the cloud lifts in 11 minutes with that really cool, um, tool which I found through a field called NLP I did for many years so that that's one of the cool tools we we like to add in and it's really on the website folks you can go look at that if you want to and if you need a little assist call me we'll figure out how to help you get that baby working yes. I give it away to all of my clients I run into them at Walmart and they say you still doing the spin and I say yeah how about you oh yeah about every other day Wow. And so and they, yeah. when you say dynamic spin release, are you talking about um, it's uh, something you've discovered with the simple satanic spin that's so valuable in like Dragon's Book and added some other dynamics? It's actually, it's actually quite different than that model. Okay. It just happens to be called the same. Uh, the spin is in the languaging. I didn't make that up. I didn't make either one of them up. Wow. But um, two of my trainers years ago discovered this. She had a headache and they were playing with this concept. He said, do it this way. He, she did it and her headache went away. And I was like, oh, well, it was a stress headache, right? <laughs> and so when the stress went away, the headache went away. And I know it's a little tricky to understand that, but there, this is a tool that it will um, take knock out self-limiting beliefs. Mm. It's a tool you can use in very quick uh, order if you know how to use it. So there are many other tools. That's just one of them. And there's some magical things I learned about four or five years ago now uh, at the Association of Mormon Psychotherapists and Counselors um, called Trauma Conversion Therapy. I like to call it trauma-centered because some people confuse conversion with the gender preferences. So trauma-centered therapy is what I call it. That is a recipe written down that I've studied and trained in along with a 
uh, one good brother who's an LDS uh, Family Services Director, he and I are proponents of this model because it's so good at getting at those inside uh, stories, beliefs, and pains and getting the pain out so people can walk free and be happy in their lives and stop reacting and charging up and out of control. Mm. So I just share that with you as some of the background. I, I don't use that model all the time in the group, but I do teach the young men the spin. And I do teach the concept which says, look, the Lord knows that every one of us has issues. And that it's up to us to find our way, whatever that means, to releasing those issues and returning to a better place so we can behave and come into his kingdom. Mm. We all have those limitations in different ways. So we, we um, the program, the, the Sons of Healing program, I want to say one thing real quick. I want to put a plug in for the, for the organization. When I think about life-changing services, you know, I, I do have loving and really cool um, affiliations with other organizations, including a rehabilitation uh, facility in, where I'm an assistant clinical director in, in Mount Pleasant now. And I love what they do, and they're, they're learning from me, and I'm learning from them, and we're, I do a lot of license signing, <laughs> you know. Anyway, what I want to say is, of all the organizations I'm aware of, you know, life-changing services is a very, very um, spiritually driven company. And the people in, you just got to come to our clinical meetings. You know, that is a very special time every month. And we share a lot of us from the heart and from the head sometimes too. And we laugh and we, all we do, and what I'm very much aware of is that this group of people is absolutely committed to the well-being of each other and of the young men and their families. Uh, and basically, we'll do anything we can, anything that we as a group can do to facilitate um, the recovery, we'll call it recovery, the change work, so that the trauma is gone enough that the boys catch on to, and their parents sometimes catch on to the Wow, the ability to actually have promptings from the Lord. And then when the promptings from the Lord start kicking in, it's like, oh, there's enough dopamine for me there. I don't need anything else to feel good anymore. And then they're like, they're done. There's no more need for that. If they have problems with it, it's problems that are coming out of the inner mind that they need help with. And those problems, I like a missionary out of, Alabama recently that I worked with on the phones, you know, he said, you know, I, I graduated the program, but I'm having trouble out here in Alabama. And I'm like, ah, and anyway, we went through our probably six sessions over the phone and he had a whipped, totally whipped. It was, I mean, he, he had no more issues. And he called me back once, maybe three months later and said, I've had, a, I've had a bad week. What do I do? What's wrong? Oh, I got to figure it out. Anyway, he sorted that out back up, back up on the horse again, and he was solid. So he grew. He grew. Sometimes it takes more than one round of our program, you know. Mm -hmm. um, 
And it's very humbling after you graduated and think you got it made to come back into the program again and say, oh, no, i got to go back and start paying again. Oh, my gosh. But that extra trip is a great solidifier for these kids. My gosh, it's the, you know, so grateful they came back. And they are, too. You know, I I think that's so true. Like, um, my guy, he totally did exactly what you described. Um, And I think that's one of the biggest fears as I work with families and moms. I just think the mom is like, okay, this has got to be the thing that works, that fixes it, you know? And then when, you know, after they've been in for a bit and we can help them to see a greater truth of what's really going on here under Heavenly Father's plan um, and that Christ helps us work Heavenly Father's plan. But as we're doing the work to find Christ, then sometimes you get the first step down and by graduating, I'm a general, but really understanding, okay, <laughs> that, that time around, I, I figured out how to get all these things in line. But this second time around, with so much more experience and maturity to find Christ in it, I think that second time around, it's just amazing. And so I think it's actually something to celebrate when your boy, if he's yep. going to crash and burn after he graduates, to just recognize, okay, um, now you're really going to be good at this. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it becomes the perfect storm after the perfect storm. So it's, I agree with you. I, I have a little bit of a problem in my business and, and with the boys too. Uh, that is, they come in, they tell me their troubles sometimes. If the door's open for them to share that, which normally I don't really encourage a lot of pain stuff being shared. But if they do, I have this little smile that comes up inside my, inside my mouth, back in here somewhere. And it's really hard not to smile in the middle of all their pain because I see, oh, good, they're going to come and get well. Oh, good. I'm so glad they came. And usually that, that smile turns into a conjoint smiling situation. And I can already see where they're going and what they're going to do. And, and these, these young men are not slime balls. They aren't. Mm-hmm. All of, almost all of them are very bright and talented and gifted yeah. in a lot of different ways. Some of them are fast. Some of them are slow. Some of them are, you know, athlete. I have a, I have a rodeoer who's a, right, you know, cuts horses right now. I had a boy that showed us video of him and his dad going to the bottom of the ocean and swimming with the sharks. You know, mm-hmm. we've had all kinds of talented boys. And we, 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 have, we have runners and guitar players and all kinds of talented and gifted people from all across the country on on my online work we do. And they are, I got to tell you, Mondays from 4 to 4.40 to 5.45 almost always turn out to be one of, of, if not the most uplifting time of the week. Because the Lord gives us gives a lot to these boys through all of us together. It's wonderful to see their smiles come on, raised from the dead, <laughs> come on, you know, and, and to talk to their parents and they're so excited they get their kid back. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah. And the kids and the parents, if we work together, sometimes it's just a beautiful trip. Yeah. I don't, we don't see too many that we lose by the way. Almost all of them get through the program. Once in a while, circumstantially, time frames will get in the way or, or maybe money. Sometimes finances are a problem. But most, in the last two years, I don't know, very few on the dropout side. They almost always find a way. And what's also cool is that their parents sometimes also come for, for treatment they can't find anywhere else. Mm. They, they come for my, the flavor we offer here. And I'm sure others offer great flavors there. I, I have no corner on the market. <laughs> I don't presume that I'm God in, you know, I might be one of God's kids, but I'm not God, I can promise you. <laughs> but he does work with me, and I know that much. And he, he works with, I think, the large majority of the life-changing services group is of that kind of, of culture. Yeah. Uh, I would, I, sometimes, like recently, I, my, my, my boy population numbers have dropped down. And because you, they graduate and they move on. Well, I sure hope so. Always working myself out of a job. <laughs> and so recently, I, you know, I just, I kind of just put it back out to the Lord usually and call someone like you or someone else and say, you know, it's time for a couple more boys in this program. Just be aware that we have our flavor. And if it calls to you, send them over. And, you know, like this week, just had one come in. But um, it's nice to have around eight boys because the chemistry is um, improved by the number, believe it or not. It's that balanced number. Not 15 and not even 12, but eight is a, right, is a good number with additional supports around it possibly, but pretty much that number. So it's, a, it's kind of a magical program. I give credit to Maurice. Parker and, and the team for really working hard to put this together so that it can, this is not an easy area. I mean, this is not. Yeah, it's not. And I do love the formula of just obliterate the shame around here. Like really, <laughs> we, yeah, really, we really do try hard to, it's like, I don't know. I think that God has really brought people here who can hear that like, Oh, you're broken? Like half of you is completely broken? Good job. Get on in here. You're living the dream. Let's get this done. Right? It just right. feels it just feels like we're all a family here and and we we know we know exactly what it is to be that right where you're at, but well, we have so yeah. much belief that you're not that. That's just your wounds, and you're gonna become, you know this is where we all go here. We all head that way, you know? Yep. yep. It's, um, it's very, uh, recently I was working with a young boy out in, in Maine who's, who's a graduate but has had some emotional other issues. So they asked me to help and I did and I am in post-graduation. And then one day the bishop calls me and said, he just seems to be a little bit uncomfortable working with this family for some reason. And he asked me, would you please watch over this family? <laughs> would you please be my surrogate bishop and watch over this family? And, 
So I call the mom up and we talk and she says, oh man, I would love to do that work. And we start to work with the mom and my gosh, you just, you see the lights come on and things just start working that you just wouldn't, you know, you couldn't have orchestrated. It just cre gets created because moms come to a balanced, happy place. And wow, the boy's better too. See, because the mom now can love the boy. She was all worried and stuck in her past before. But now she's like, oh, I don't, I think I look at that as a strengthening thing, not as a down, mm -hmm. not as a, the reason I'm weird. Yes. And all of a sudden she's in a very few times, she's in that really strong, amazing LDS woman position. And oh, there yes. are so many of those who come out of some kind of treatment. And, you know, I had a bishop call me today. We talked for, oh, man, he was in tears. <laughs> so great. It wasn't about our program, but it was about a young, an older man, 80 years old, who's never had the opportunity to release his, his baggage. Mm. And so I explained what we're doing. We talked about it today here. And uh, he was just in tears of hope that this would help this guy he's known for 15 years. And you just have to know the recipe of the program, coupled with the recipe of the therapists involved. They each have their own thing. They're, um, you know, it's God sent. It's not just coincidence. Mm -hmm. So we have a chance then to work with people at a very special level, usually LDS believers who just, maybe they think, well, if you pray all the time, it'll fix it. Well, I wish it would. Yeah, sometimes some things need to go beyond that because Satan uses weapons against us we're not aware of. And plus the fact that we've had, we have not understood, you know, that trauma is the cause of addiction. We've been treating the anxiety, you know, treating the depression. But what about the cause, that time when he was, nine years old when somebody told him that he was a twerp or something mm -hmm. and it stuck and it was a leader in the church or somebody and they just were so hurt and they never go back to church or they just find a way to find love some other way yeah of course the average age what is it about nine get involved in mp and we know how much that is widespread we don't know how much we think we do but it's big big yeah, so here's a question I have for you. Just on that trauma thought, you know, a lot of the people who work in the, you know, the arena of the effects of pornography on children and on people, like, they actually are coming out, I'm reading articles that are coming out saying, when a young child in their innocence sees um, pornography at the level that it's available in our day, that is trauma. Oh, it is. You know, I happened to see a little of pornography accidentally one time in a motel where I was staying. It just came up on screen and went, ah! Well, it was traumatic for me right then. Mm -hmm. And I had to work that. I mean, I, I didn't get, I don't feel like I got, you know, snared, if you will, but it was still traumatic for a yeah. moment. So I cleared that out and went on my way. But it do, doesn't just clear out of kids' minds 
and they go on their way at certain ages, their skill sets aren't there. I mean, especially for a child, like, oh, that's just so terrible. And for a parent, I think it's what you are most ashamed of. I just remember feeling so upset that I thought, how did I miss that? How did I not, how did I not know that? Um, how did this happen? And it's already happened for this long and all that's gone under the bridge of we didn't know. And now we're here. But it's so good to know that it's not just that we got into this self-mastery behavior that we just couldn't stop. But maybe that started with the trauma initially, right? Let's talk a little more about that. You're bringing up something that has rung true and rings true, and I think people can understand it. Many, many parents, as you know, as a mother worker, they believe they're actually failures because their children get engaged in this business. True. And they, and that's true of many, many parents who bring their children to me. <laughs> they're going, hold on here. I know there's one thing we can maybe agree on. Let's just talk about it for a sec. What do you think? Do most people do the best they can with what they know? Do you think you did the best you could with what you knew? Oh, sure, you were depressed and it had an impact on your kid. No, oh, sure, you were anxious and they, they got anxious too. And guess what? You were anxious or you were depressed and you had no clue what to do about it. You took medicine, you thought that might help. You went to some therapist and that didn't help. You talked to your bishop, you prayed, you read scripture, you did everything else and it didn't seem to help. Oh my gosh. So you, you were you a failure? Not really. You tried as hard as you could. You did everything you knew, and probably more than many people did. And you are so, I'm so grateful for your efforts. And so you need to know there's no shame in that. You, that there's no way you are a failure because you didn't give the exact answer you didn't know you didn't know there was a program that could help out or a surgeon that could could actually help you with the surgery you thought you had to be the the doc and you couldn't we sometimes think this just prayer is the doc and it takes more the doc the the the, the savior the lord has given us gifts other kinds of ways to solve these problems that don't just solve in you know by ignoring them <laughs> for example i i had a meeting once with one of, with a woman and i was uh she was so sad that she had prayed and prayed and prayed for so long for something and the answer just had never come and she'd gotten deeper and deeper and more and more traumatized and sad and and so anyway i had asked her along the way um have you ever seen a family doctor about this just start there. Have you ever talked to your bishop about this? Have you ever um, have you ever considered talking to a counselor about this? Anyway, each one of those things were no because she was praying. That she was waiting for, you know, the story of the guy on the roof where he gets all the help, right? Until finally he's like, No, I'm good. God is coming to save me. <laughs> so anyway, I just told her, I said, sometimes God has created what you need for healing in 
medication because she hadn't tried medication or medication in a doctor, in a counselor, in an ecclesiastical leader. And we have to have the courage to, to have faith that he's created people and, you know, miracles in science that will help us. But he can't just say, and you get to be um, different from everybody else because you're too afraid to go ask for help. You know, we'll just heal you because we know you're really afraid. Like, could it be that maybe your healing is going to come from having the courage to go say, I need some help. Yeah, it seems like it's pretty risky business to go actually talk to somebody. It's kind of scary. Like, who's going to understand me, really? Who's going to have answers or directions that they can take me and that will actually help my limbic brain to straighten up or get me out of my charge into a, you know, a reasonable discussion place? One of the things we could talk about is kind of the punishment model. In, in, in many homes, there still, is, still remains a consequential punishment model, which actually is involved in the process of removing love from kids when they misbehave. So the kids learn that they, when they are behaving, they can have love. Some kids learn it that way, and other kids have an oppositional polarity response. So they, when their love is removed, they just get worse. So they can have attention, even though it's negative attention, because that's pretty much all they find they get anyway. Mm-hmm. So one of the, my favorite clientele is women and their children. And we work together in the office. We don't just work alone. And sometimes we may invite one or the other for a quiet inside trip of their own, but I, mom, and, mom and daughter, I welcome them into my office both together during all treatment we do till they get matured or something changes dramatically. Sometimes moms come alone for their treatment. But um, because what happens when the mom brings the kid in is the mom goes, oh, I want some of that. And then when the mom gets better, the dad says, oh, I want some of that too. And pretty soon you have a whole family that's coming together miraculously because they're free now from the junk that was inside of themselves, the pain, and they are able to actually behave like mature for their age people and grow from there. So, in fact, one of the books I like to use is a book called Real Love by Greg Bear, who, by the way, is an LDS from Rome, Rome Georgia. You never know. You can't tell by reading a book because he doesn't ever pitch religion. But if you're LDS and you read the book, you can kind of tell. So I called one day and I said, so are you guys LDS? And she said, yeah, how'd you know? (laughs) But that book is worldwide known. And he has eight books that are really phenomenally helpful in understanding that the role that I have with my wife and my children is not quite what I might, might once have thought. That they were there for me. And that if I was there for them and they were there for me, we'd be just happy forever. 
So you meet my needs, I'll meet your needs, and that's when 18 months of a marriage usually gets to the breaking point. <laughs> it's like, oh, but you got bad breath. I don't know who you are. And so, so, the, so what happens is real love is the model that says, Karen, there's nothing you can, you can do to stop me from loving you. That doesn't imply any other inappropriate relationship. It's just flat out real love. Real love doesn't have any, it might in a marriage have some sexual connection, but not like, not if it's clean and pure the way that it's designed yeah. it to be. Real love does not have that issue. So I like to look at my clients the same way and invite them to look back and say, well, there's nothing I can do to make this guy stop loving me. Maybe I'll try it on him. Pretty soon we have that growing exchange and out of that growing exchange comes, oh, wow, I can leave that shame behind or I can say now safely through my treatment, wow, I don't need to please anybody for obligatory reasons anymore, do I? Really? Mm. So anyway, I'm just kind of going on with that model. What really happens, it's beautiful, is that when moms dial into the love model, the real love model, they can stop being so mad at their kids and they can really take the pressure off of themselves and the children feel the pressure come off of themselves and they grow together and so many symptomologies that were active between them melt right away. Mm. You don't have to treat the symptoms. You didn't do the dishes last night. Well, that's not the issue here. When we have the real love working here and appropriate balanced consequential boundaries that are well set and well formed and well managed, they'll do dishes and a whole lot more. Mm. I can tell you how many times I've given that recipe to a mom and she calls me back up a few days later and says, my kid's doing dishes, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, keep on loving, baby. <laughs> you know? and watch the good stuff happen. Uh, it's so healing, and that's one thing I noticed about Bear's book is that it was had a lot of Christ-like qualities in it. I actually, when you told me about that book uh, quite a while ago, I, I gave it to some people that I love, just thinking, I think this is going to be a great book. Like, I gave it away to a lot of people, but, but thank you, Blair, for, for this interview like really so good so i just was going to ask you um i was going to say you've mentioned a lot of things about moms yeah um what are some things that you've noticed about dads and their dynamic yeah. uh just their role in the healing of their sons um what about dads well uh Dads are busy working on their providing for families. And that seems to be their, often their primary focus. And then they also get involved in the church work. And in those games, they kind of know the rules. They know how to play. 
and they kind of have to play to make it work. So many dads haven't either seen a model that really worked in their own lives and they don't understand some of the more intimate needs of a parenting that a mom provides. And so because they don't understand that, and they don't actually know their role, and mom's used to providing that role and doesn't know how to really help him to do it exactly, dads are often isolating and distracted and, and otherwise they find ways fishing or whatever they, they go golfing, whatever they do. And they aren't as intimately involved with their sons and their daughters and their wives. They know how to do, you know, the fix it this and fix it that and do the yard and do the golf and all this. But to really sit down and have the intimate discussions with these children, they don't know how to do that. And it's not because they're bad guys. They're not. Like, these are good men. These are great people. They are. And, and they, so they need a lot of support also. I'm glad you brought it up because um, the reason I focus on the women is because I can get to the women. I can't uh, necessarily get, I can usually get to the men through the women. And the women will carry the badge, carry the, the learning to the men sometimes. I know there's this osmotic thing that happens between men and women sometimes. And they'll soften, they'll soften and they come together. A lot of times they do it that way. So mm -hmm. I, I sustain that. I support that too. And where the men are willing to come in and if they need to because they have dissociative issues, deeper issues, because mom can't heal those for their for husband. She can accept him. She can understand him. But if he's acting out, for example, looking for imitation love in the wrong places because he hasn't learned how to do it at home or with his wife, then maybe M and P keep will creep up and pornography is widespread among the men too. Uh, and, and so that's why they just have not learned that model. They don't, they don't know what they're missing. They don't know what they don't know and they don't know to ask. And so we have programs like the Men of Moroni program, which is the miracles for young men I've sent over to that program and older men. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I found in my old model of therapy that that was the best thing I could do. In the new model, sometimes it's still the best thing I can do. Because the one-on-one the -on -one doesn't always provide the, the group energy or synergy. However, at the same time, there may be a need for some one-on-one -on -one as well, depending upon the kind of treatment they need. But yeah, the men, <laughs> you know, I have a client right now whose son was had some issues in this in the uh, M and P area, the sexual area, and kind of worked those out pretty quickly. This kid was quick. One on one, didn't have to go to group. Then the dad shows up, and it turns out the dad, after a few times, actually admitted how often he was using M and P as a as a a way to feel something, and. Uh, and then we turned it around and we're working with him. And that's 
that's the boy needs that as much or more than he needs me <laughs> because the dad is really important to that boy and I've also watched uh, I remember a, one of our graduates in the program had a dip and returned to the program because it became public knowledge Bishop well common family knowledge that dad was acting out in the same kinds of ways and it threw him for a loop and he came back through program graduated really well went on a mission the family divorced but he came back from mission and married and he's he's doing fine mm. but that's a tough ride when you got a dad that you you love and you cherish and you listen to and model whether you like it or not it's kind of a sabotage isn't it to the, the results we're working on as a family sometimes for a young man and so that's been there many times and we have men that need some support and sustaining help as well and so we have a program that's I think probably as good as you'll find men in Morona it's a great program yeah it is so in fact I'm getting myself in a position to do a men in Morona group too just because I want to be part of that experience oh, for sure. not for the money none of this is Really, when it comes to this program and, and that, it's nothing to do with the money. It's not like you're going to get rich doing that. But there are a lot of, there are so many benefits to being part of a good cause like this. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of compensation that isn't monetary for sure. And I'll tell you, one of them, well, I've spoken to the experience of the lights coming on and, and missions happening and life working and so forth. And the boys will drop back in periodically and say, hey, how you doing? We're doing good out here, you know, and so forth. That's kind of fun. And that's all part of it. And, but all, and also the just, just knowing that I'm part of a, such a great cause and such a great group of people who are engaged in that cause. You know, that's, I, I would fight for more boys in my program to stay alive just to be part of life-changing services. I would I do I would I don't want to I don't want to separate from this group I I'm attached I admit it and I love them and I, and I love that they love me and we you know there's there's no shame in this group yeah yep and when you say this group are you referring to sons of healing your sons of healing group or are you referring to the the whole L LCS family both actually but the LCS family itself has an attraction for me that includes that kind of connectivity. You know, like with you, Karen. You know, Karen, as far as I'm concerned, is, you know, the, the woman leader in this organization. And boy, do we need her. And do, do we, the men really enjoy her too. The therapist group does. We are all aware of your amazingness, but also the amazingness of women as, as a general rule, um, I think all of us know that we're men, we're not women. And they may or may not see us as amazing, but I know most of us see women as amazing. Well, I know I see, when I come to those clinicians meetings, um, actually the last time I went was the first time I'd ever gone when Maurice just kind of ignored me for a long time. <laughs> yeah, and and I, was, I was thinking, that's different, you know? And I thought, eventually he'll get around to saying, and Karen's here, you know? And so when he did, but I just thought it was so cool to just be there and 
just be part of what makes all of you guys laugh together and <laughs> things that you're talking about and how, um, you know, how empowering um, Maurice gets with, you know, it's the sky's the limit. You guys just go for it. And, uh, and then also everybody being able to speak their opinion. I think I, I just think I know I've never worked at another company, but I've also never met someone um, as generous as Maurice in sharing the limelight. Like, yeah, just go for it. You just, he's really good at mentoring and, empowering people to just whatever you're passionate about i'm going to support that and he does he doesn't just talk about it he does support it if you got problems making a living to the organization he's going to help you get your living and there's no reason to to not have a full clientele you know, so I, some of us partake of that more than others. I know some have 10 groups, you know, mm -hmm. some have one like me and I've had one forever considering a men, men of Moroni, not because I can't, I actually make probably more money doing my, what I do, but because I like the whole model for the men, young men and the older men. And I just believe in, we need to be doing something about this. Yeah. So huge. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love the philosophy here too, that um, we've been able to bring in services for anybody in your family. Like if, if you have a wife, yep. um, if you are a parent, if yep. you're a young woman or a young man, um, we have such capable clinicians at our highest level, but we also have support services yep. that are, just so um, enlightening and empowering and helping everybody to, because if you're in a support role, whether it's, you know, I'm a woman in betrayal trauma, but now I'm healed enough to, tr to be thinking about new things, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, or the same with the mom. I'm a mom in mama trauma, but I've healed enough to think about new things. Um, amazing. It's amazing how that mm -hmm. affects the healing of the child in a program or the husband in a program. And um, yeah, just the whole family. I do think that, you know how Marie says that Satan's biggest goal is to make women cry. I think it's because he knows if I can just take that atmosphere angel out then I can just have so much fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, again, that's why mothers and ch children are my favorites. Yeah. Not that I don't invite, enjoy and invite others, who, general addicts or people who just stuck, can't find their way in the other, other place and they really want to get it done. You know, th that's fine. Um, yeah. you, you mentioned something, Michael, about just um, our thinking. And there's a huge concept that's almost like the first aha when people get here because even though the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches us how to win our battles with Satan, um, like it really does help a lot, but it's something that's kind of off everybody's radar, you know? 
it's not something we consider that's that big of a problem until you really are in deep and you realize, I didn't realize there was like this evil spiritual entity that also plays a role in all of this. But you mentioned um, thinking and how Satan's influence in to our thinking is something that has so much, uh, having an awareness on that and the, the way that the Like Dragons Do They Fight book says it is not every voice in your head is a trusted voice. That's right. Yeah, just because you have an evil thought doesn't mean you're evil. Just because, and a lot of people do think, well, if I had that thought or I, I had an attraction to a woman or I, or I, you know, that I'm just, man, I am messed up, baby. I'm just damaged goods. And pretty soon you are damaged goods because you just went down the rabbit hole that you got the lead from the thinking from the source that is killing you. Now, I'm very clear. I, I'll tell this story right here. Um, I actually tell many people, when in doubt, cast it out. And the reason I do is because I found that regular uh, regular ritual of doing that is works for me and i'll tell you where it came from driving in a car uh, all, all 10 of us in a caravan back in the early days of the caravans my wife turned me in the dark of night as we traveled across the desert she, she the cat well it was actually earlier evening the kids were in chaos in the back of the car eight kids going crazy and she turned to me as I drove and she said, would you please cast out Satan now? And I turned and I, and I went, okay, <laughs> you know, really? <laughs> okay. So I did it. I, I they didn't know I did it. I just silently did it. And you know, then in about 17 seconds, the car was totally quiet. Quiet. Well, that was, that's, that was a witness to me. I didn't say anything to the kids. She didn't say anything to the kids. And those kids went totally quiet. So I've used that many times, and I kind of count 17 seconds, and I'm feeling better. Oh, that's amazing. So when you say, when in doubt, cast him out, are you saying, because uh, you said you did that in silence. Um, yeah, well, a lot of people. I did that. I, yeah, they think you can do it in silence. Raise your arm to the square and say it out loud. Nope. Don't have to do that. Yeah, can you teach us a little more about that? Well, real simply, I mean, it's not complex. I, you can say it out loud or you can say it silently. There's the, if you want to go to the Bible itself, you can. There's plenty of instances of castings out in different ways. Um, I, I personally, this is my personal belief that all of us have that tool available to us. It's not necessarily priesthood driven. It's, it's uh, Christ disciple driven. So I can go ahead and, and do it. Uh, you can do it for your family, for your children. And quietly or out loud, you can do it hand and square if you like or not. Doesn't doesn't say in the Bible you have to raise your hand and square. Mm -hmm. Place I've seen, but that's okay to do too. I mean that's fine. Whatever 
you know that's acceptable that's fine but get the job done and get it done regularly is what i say because it's a lot of times that there's foggy brain or interruptive thoughts that may come at least kind of rule it out yeah if that doesn't fix it then you just know well gotta do something different here and then if it does fix it the things that you want to do work better like you know killing the ants automatic negative thoughts uh, like thank you for sharing brain I don't do that anymore five magic words I choose this and oh, there are all kinds of them there there's a half a dozen at least that I use those are just really I just I just don't think most people are aware of how important that really is and I'm probably the weird duck therapist on the block around here because I teach them that and some people don't buy into that or believe that and that's fine they don't have to use what they don't believe yeah I'm not hung up on that but I but I do give that tool to those who have any spiritual under under foundation because it's clearly in the documentation in the dogma and it just isn't um i don't know why it's not actively utilized uh, in that way but that's my experience yeah and i think that it's something that um you know i think for a company that talks so much and gives um you know really trains people to see the real enemy yeah so, um i just think it's good to come at a lot of angles with that not just with well we do we do it with a drill we do it with a flagpole we do it with a with the warrior chemistry we we do it with our manpower calendar because we do all of those things but I love that if you're really feeling like I'm being messed with to say let's rule this out let's let's cast out a dark the darkness and say you know you're not allowed to be here and I have the power to command you to leave in the name of Christ. I think that's the most powerful way. I also know, know that <clears throat> there are other ways that I'm familiar with that work as part of recipes and programs, but that's the most powerful way, mm -hmm. in my opinion, yeah. my experience. So yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I, I hope that that is understood by those of us who are believers, I guess, and carry the same faith at least. Makes sense to me from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, I mean, I do it every day and I do it during sessions sometimes. And I, even if it's just to rule it out, because <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm looking for spirituality to, to infuse everything that I do far beyond the skill that I learned at college or some training somewhere. Right. I'm looking for the ongoing light knowledge that might be available to me. Because yeah. I just, you know, I'm not always, um, let's put it this way, I'm not always at my best. Yeah. Sometimes I'm sleepy. Sometimes I'm, my energy's gone. You know, uh, I use a lot of tools, different tools, including barbells. <laughs> To try to re-energize my brain sometimes. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that the um, so much of the things we miss and 
because we miss them and we're not quite sure what that looks like, we don't dare go near them because it we don't want to do it wrong or do the wrong thing, especially if we are Latter-day Saints, you know, we kind of think, you know, and so the only way anyone's ever been taught about casting Satan out is to raise your arm to the square and say it out loud, right? Um, but I don't think that people are taught, well, here's what that could look like. Yeah. You know? Well, it's just one piece I've discovered in my, my experience. I don't, I wouldn't want to be without that gift. That's a gift that absolutely is in part of my life. Um, so there are just lots of cool tools available to us in the program. The, I was going to say one thing to, to the parents and to the bishops, particularly. The Like Dragons Did They Fight um, book, you know, is really a nice manual. It really get. I have parents call me and say, what do I do? This happened. I said, you know what? I would love to sit and sh we can talk 10 minutes for free. That's fine. I, don't, I do that routinely. We'll charge. But I think the best thing for you to do is to open up that book to the moms and dads section and the bishop section, read through those, and you'll know, I think you'll know what to do. <laughs> I think you will. You may not like it, and you may not feel like it. That's the map. And if you need help with the feel like it, give me a call. We'll talk about how to get you to that place. But, but there's a really good guide right there. It's been time tested. Yeah. Where are you going to find a guide like that, especially in this arena? Yeah. Where? And that's the only place I know. Yeah, <laughs> so. Oh, well, Michael, we're going to get to the bottom of this now. Okay. I want to ask you. Um, you ask young men the Q5, Q1, Q1 question um, every week in Sense of Healing. And um, why do you fight? Why don't you give up? Well, I fight, what I'm fighting for is the constant or nearly as I can get it constant promptings from the Lord. That's what I'm going for. Because I know when, I, when I'm in that space, well, I'm basically as close to eternal life as I know how to get. Because when I'm listening to the master and I follow through with that, what else is there really to do? I have all the commandments and that helps as a guideline. But lots of times I need real specific application. So I say, Father, what do you think? Is this okay? Yes or no. And getting that that came out of a my inspiration to adopt that as my my what i'm fighting for to a more point on place came out of a church news article the coach of the navy football team nia matalu um was being interviewed by um, general authority as one of several candidates to be a state president and in that community and the first question he asked him was, he'd had a bad football year and a bad spiritual year. And then he'd come back from that and he was feeling really connected right now. They asked him, he said, I started to ball. I just cried. Big old football coach, just in tears. And he realized at that moment why he'd had the test of the past year was to fine tune him to become a stake president. And later in the same article, they asked that very question. What do you, what do you, 
What are you living for? And that's what he said. I'm living for the promptings of the Holy Ghost. Right now, today. Now. And so I do everything I can to keep that light on. So I'm a good receptor of that. Because it's always there if I'm a good receptor. Mm. So that's what I'm fighting for. And anything that takes me another direction is, that's the fight. <laughs> There's the fight. Okay. You know, so. Yeah. That's so excellent. Thank you so much for all that you do. Welcome. Um, yeah, even after our interview here, I thought, all right, I think I'm going to make an appointment with Michael Blair. <laughs> well, you know, there's, if, if, if it were, if it's, if you feel prompted, then you come on down. <laughs> you, you, we can do it on the net, right? Right here. It's wonderful. We can do this all over the world with the internet. It is amazing and such a yeah. blessing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here and part of our life changing services family and so grateful that you, you know, you just like the punch here. It's good. Yeah. The punch is good here. It mm -hmm. is. Yeah. And I'm grateful to be included as a part of the, the, the process, the program, the love, you know, in spite of my weirdnesses, I get to be part of one of the greatest clubs in the world. And that's pretty cool. I don't even get shamed for my weirdnesses. <laughs> and I have them. I got them. You know, so not that I'm proud of them, but they are there. Some of them I get weeded out and some of them I don't. <laughs> so, you know, we don't always agree, but we don't have to agree because we know how to disagree. Oh, that's so powerful. Yeah. And do it in a healthy way. It's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Karen, for all you do. Thank you so much. I, I feel your strength there in your position. It just gets more and more helpful as the organization grows and grows and perfects itself. It's just a real live organism, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're all in this together and we're so much stronger together. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah.